Christina, and thank you for checking in to the Home for Weird OCs. This is a podcast where our friends and I talk about our original characters, the good, the bad, and the self-inserts. Today, our guest is my friend, Tanner Vogelsang. Hey, got it in one. Yes, I definitely <laughs> did not do another take of that, <laughs> which might be the blooper, depending on how it edits. Potentially. Hi, I'm Tanner. My pronouns are they, them. Yes, hello. <laughs> Tanner, is your, this is your second time on the show. Third time. Third time, third time. Second time independent. Yes. Third time overall. It's, it's almost a hat trick. I've been here two and a half times. That's fair, that's fair. But yes, welcome back. Thank you. Uh, I, uh, you can tell that it is uh, October when we are recording this because I realize that my curtains closed, but both of our rooms are extremely dark right now. Oh uh, yeah, if we go too late, <laughs> I'm just going to turn into a head floating in shadow. I've seen that happen when we've recorded before. It is, it is very much so like a great and powerful Oz kind of a visual. <laughs> Uh, yeah, one time I was recording with Lindsay and Ryan, and Ryan said that I looked like the Queen cover for Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, that's a very yeah. strong visual. That's a very strong visual. Did it fit the vibe of what you were recording? I don't think so, no. Dang it. That's okay, there'll be other times. I'll plan if ahead. Start, if you start singing Bohemian Rhapsody at any point, listeners, you will know why. There we go. But enough about Bohemian Rhapsody. Who are we talking about today, Tanner? Today we are talking about one of my original characters, Carrie Chan, who is the protagonist of a young adult novel series that I am working on on and off. Nice. I forget, is this a, like a prose young adult novel or like a young adult graphic novel? This is a prose, I mean, okay, well now that you're bringing it up, graphic novel would be real cool because <laughs> I... That's for there's your other definitely, podcast. There's definitely action-y parts in this, and I find that I think cinematically when I do a lot of my writing, uh, mm -hmm. even if it's like just a chill romantic scene, I think of how it would look like if it were adapted into a film or graphic novel. Um, mm -hmm. But for now, since I can't draw, <laughs> it is simply a prose novel. That's okay. I, I feel you real hard on the, uh, the thinking in a cinematic sense when you're writing. Which makes me sometimes not a very good writer. <laughs> also, I plan too much. But yeah. anyway, that's that's me, not you. <laughs> Listen, planning is good. Sometimes you plan for a month straight and then realize that this idea was not very good. Which is valid. Exactly. Like, you wouldn't have reached that conclusion if you just dove in head first. Yep. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you gotta figure out how the car works before you realize that you're driving a dud. <laughs> <laughs> But then you figure that out before you get on the highway. And I've lost the metaphor at this point, so I apologize. <laughs> anyway, so Carrie Chan. Yes. Where would you like to start? I would like to start November 2nd, 2017. It was a Thursday. Was it actually? Yes, it was. Okay. I was just about to, like, dig for my phone and find my calendar. Listen, uh... I, I know very specific how Carrie came to be, because she sprang from my head almost fully formed like Athena. Okay, okay. So, November 2nd, 2017, it was a Thursday, uh, there was some snow, and I was walking home from the car place, uh, because my car was getting some stuff looked at, I can't remember specifically what. That's uh, okay, that was, that was over two years, well, almost two years ago, you're fine. It was either oil or someone had crashed into me at that point, I can't remember which. Ah. It was a fine, I wasn't hurt or anything, but the car was one of those where it was like the entire outside is basically one piece, so they had to redo almost everything ah. for one dent. Yikes. On the upside, my insurance covered it because I was not at fault. Good, good. Uh, and so since I didn't have to think about paying it off, I was thinking about National Novel Writing Month, which mm -hmm. it was one day in and I had barely done anything for it, and... The past few times I'd done it, I went really gung-ho on the 1st of November and then petered out after. And I was a little yeah. concerned because, like, oh, I petered out immediately instead of halfway through. How am I going to work on this? Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking about what I wanted to do with the story that I had in mind and if I wanted to change anything and, like, where I should even start because I hadn't written any actual words of the story, just a whole bunch of planning in the month beforehand. 
And then all of a sudden, like, as I was entering the door to my house, I was thinking, maybe if I didn't do this novel and worked on some other idea that I may have had. And then all of a sudden, every plot point, or nearly every plot point for this novel, for Carrie's story, just happened in my brain. And I ran inside and I wrote 3,000 <laughs> words. You had a Jimmy Neutron brain, uh, brain blast. Pretty much. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I ran in. I wrote 3,000 words of this story, which I titled Knights of the Dead. And Carrie came to be pretty quickly. Uh, like, there's still bits and pieces that I adjust now and then. But she, like, in her present form, not much has changed since her inception. Nice. That That is very good to hear because there have been a lot of characters that I have made that have changed very drastically so it's always nice to hear when like like you're able to get like that good lock in on a character and like yep this is them I mean to be fair she's only two years old at least uh, conceptually she's only two years old so she hasn't had a lot of time to change also sometimes the characters that get overhauls that they need them <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah that's fair that's very fair but also you've been like, you've been, you haven't like necessarily stopped working on the story. It's been a no. continuous work, so. Yes, I've come back to it every few months. I have fallen into that trap where you like just keep rewriting the same first third of a story to make it perfect because you can't move past that. Yeah. And I'm, I might get into a little bit of that because I am going to start it up again for this year's NaNoWriMo. Um, but it's going to be different because I'm rewriting most of the opening scene, which we oh, can get wow. to later. Okay. So how about, if you're okay with talking about this, like, what is, like, the genre? What's, like, the setup for this story? Oh, this is a post-apocalyptic zombie new. I almost said movie. It's not a movie. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> Call me Lionsgate. <laughs> Lionsgate, if you're listening. Hire Tanner. Exactly. Let them do something with their writing degree. Please. <laughs> Can't find writing jobs. I'm resorting to spreadsheet jobs, which, hey, I'm almost as passionate about. Mm-hmm. I do not have a spreadsheet for this story. Interesting. I should make one, though. I mean, you could. You definitely could. Um. So, yes, this is a post-apocalyptic zombie story because I extremely like zombie stuff. Um, and a lot of the impetus for the story came out of the fact that I like zombie stuff, but a lot of the zombie stuff, uh, is the same. Yeah. Like, conceptually, zombies can be really interesting, because quite often when you write a zombie story, it's not actually about zombies. The zombies are just a medium. Uh, zombies are the bread, and then the metaphors you're trying to tell with the story are the filling for this, uh, sandwich. Yeah. And so, like, you have things like... Night of the Living Dead, the classic, and that's about uh, bigotry and prejudice. And then when you fast forward to Dawn of the Dead, that's about consumerism. And Land of the Dead is classism. Uh, the Walking Dead is about how humanity is inherently bad. And I would like to think that my story uses zombies to show that humanity is inherently good. Okay, okay. Because I like zombies, I also like hopeful stuff. Yeah. I appreciate that you are giving me a character for October that is spooky. Yes. There's definitely spooks in here. Listen, I, like, I, I say that a lot of the story just happened that fateful day in November, but I had wanted to write some kind of zombie story for years at that point. Like, mm -hmm. 2017, I would have been seven years, no, not, probably would have been about a decade, because I got into middle school around the time of that big zombie boom where you had the Zombie Survival Guide, and Walking oh, Dead was God. just getting started, and then World War Z. Real world context. I think I actually, uh, by the time that like the zombie boom was like ending its initial surgence, I don't want to call it like a resurgence, but its initial surgence, like I was in, by that point I was on my high school's speech and debate team, and I think I heard several people doing like dramatic interpretation readings of the zombie survival guide i hated it <laughs> i they did just, they weren't doing it with any like delivery <laughs> oh that's lame see when i did my 12th grade monologue i did the opening monologue from zombie land with the rules okay and 
everyone loved that because I came in with a blood spatter jacket and I had bought a Nerf gun. Nice, nice. <laughs> the Nerf gun was almost a mistake because then I, I came in for rehearsal with the Nerf gun with a whole bunch of drama students who did not have props. And the first half of that was, hey, let's play with Tanner's Nerf gun. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, that sounds about right. The drama teacher tried to stop us, but she couldn't, because we had a Nerf gun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, all the zombie media came out, and I really wanted to tell some kind of story with zombies, but so many of them were the same. And everyone and their brother was making zombie stories, and they all followed the same, oh, we were just casually going about the day, and then zombies happened, and one of our friends got infected, and they're slowly going to turn into a zombie, and are we going to kill them now, or do we wait until they turn? And also a love interest is trapped on the other side of town. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plot point, plot point, plot point. <laughs> like, even Shaun of the Dead is pretty paint-by-numbers in that regard. Mm-hmm. In general, like, zombies are not necessarily my cup of tea, but I feel like Shaun of the Dead is the one that I would be the most interested in watching. Yes. Um, so Shaun of the Dead, uh, that kind of parlays into the other reason I like zombies, which is I'm not a horror person, like, at all. I scare very easily. I'm a baby deer. <laughs> People talking to me when I don't expect them causes me to jump a foot in the air. <laughs> but with zombies, mm-hmm. there's a lot of media that uh, kind of takes the terror away from them because they can be extremely fragile. You get stuff like Shaun of the Dead, and you especially get stuff like the Dead Rising games, where it's all about, let's take out as many zombies as we can in wild and wacky ways. Zombieland oh, okay. also helps to play into that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's scary stuff that can happen, but mainly you're just, you have a giant paddleboard and you're just whacking zombies as you go through this mall and chill elevator music plays. Okay. I, I have seen a lot of ads recently on my Instagram for the new Zombieland movie. And every time that I, like, see one of those ads, I just I just wonder... How, like, everyone has all those, like, oh, I'm named after a city. My name's Madison. I'm like, but where are the people who are named, like, where is the, where's the kid named after Hell, Michigan? <laughs> where, where is Punks, where is Punxsutawney? <laughs> have you ever seen Zombieland? Absolutely not. Okay, so the reason they have all the state names is because they don't want to get attached to each other. So they just name themselves after where they came from. But then they're still naming themselves and they become attached to the names. But it's like at the end when Emma Stone tells Jesse Eisenberg her real name, it's like, oh, this is an emotional moment. Oh, okay. Like, Zombieland is actually one of the extremely good zombie movies. Okay. It's wild and wacky and only has, I think, six named characters. Okay. I, uh, I will take your word for it. Um, Sky, if you're listening, you should not watch Zombieland because there is... Two instances of a zombie clown, and you're gonna shoot your television. Tanner, let's be real here. This is Sky we're talking about. He would stab the television with a sword. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. So yeah, so just zombies are a good metaphor for things you want to say, and they are easily taken out when you need fun action sequence so they can be scary but not so scary that i myself frighten myself good that's good so all i was missing for this last story was basically i don't want to say a gimmick but something that just changed it from the rest and that i imagine the impetus from that also came from the dead rising games because in the second game actually i guess in the first game just generally in the series they introduce um a serum that can delay the infection spread. So if you get bit, but you regularly take the Zombrex injection, then you can like indefinitely delay the transformation into a zombie. Interesting. So I kind of, that just simmered in my mind with all this other zombie stuff and the kind of story I wanted to tell. And eventually it created a setting where zombieism is a virus, right? So mm-hmm. naturally there are going to be people who are born immune to it. Mm-hmm. And so if we have a situation where the zombie apocalypse happened, but there are people who can go, like, obviously getting bitten by a zombie is not fun, but if you can do that without worrying about turning into one over the next few days, then you're going to be a huge boon to whatever group of survivors you're in. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I just got to thinking, like, how society would and could develop with those people. So 
the story itself, it's actually starting a hundred years after the initial outbreak where Interesting. Like, yeah, that's another thing that a lot of zombie stuff happens, oh, just a few years after or in the midst of it. Like, no, this is way ahead. And humanity, like, they haven't been wiped out and but they're not quite bouncing back either. They're just mm-hmm. they're just starting to get a foothold back, but enough so that they can say, We live in Seattle and it is pretty much zombie free. And they have, like, farms and homesteads in the surrounding area, or at least this is where Carrie's growing up, in the greater Seattle area. Seattle specifically picked because it's also close to a hydroelectric plant. Good, good. So, I'm, like, sometimes I debate whether I even want to have electricity as a thing that they have access to, but if I want it, there it is. That's a good idea. That's a good thing to think about. In regards to, like you thinking about hydroelectric plants like this might just be me but have you ever thought about like if something happens and literally everything goes south and we have to form roving bands like in the movies to survive what role would you play i would be Uh... a scald i i would be the i'd be the documenter i would be the all-purpose person and also probably the counselor because it's in my blood I would like to think I'd be the voice of reason. I'd be the person who says, hey, let's maybe not fight about this right now. Yeah. And also you're tall, so you could convince them by being tall. I could also be the lookout. Because I'm tall. (laughs) Anyway, I got us off track. Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, it's the same thing. It's like, when everyone is doing their zombie stuff, it's like, oh, here's my zombie survival plan. Mm -hmm. And then, like, there's... There's so many articles out there where it's how it's like, these days a zombie outbreak wouldn't be able to get off because everyone has a zombie survival plan now. Yeah, that's true. So, all, like, a lot of zombie media um, assumes that people do not know what zombies are. Except for one, which I'm I'm not going to name because I am going to put on blast. Uh, they, like, the reason humanity survives as well as it did is because they're so savvy about how zombies work. Uh, but I stopped reading that series halfway through because the author was like, hey, step-siblings getting together that knew each other from birth, that's not incest. Yikes. That's not a good look ever. No. It's a shame because I do like the author's other stuff, but oof. Yeah. That is a capital W woof. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so... Yeah. <laughs> We're a century after zombie apocalypse, and this is where we meet Carrie. She's growing up on one of the farms outside of Seattle, and Seattle's actually doing pretty good. It's pretty close to a utopia, as best as you can get, when you do have to have people defending from the undead on the edges of society. Yeah. But again, like, so in this society, they are the titular knights of the dead. Like, if you have the immunity, then you have the option to go and get trained at Camelot which is just the name they call their training base, but they have styled themselves after the round table because nice, nice. mood and aesthetics. Yes. You get to go get trained, and then you patrol the outskirts and the city itself, and you like can take out any zombies that happen, because even at your best, zombie outbreaks are going to... Not outbreaks, zombie hordes are going to show up on the farms, and everyone has to go mm-hmm. get rid of them, whether it be through... The few guns we have are both narrows, big sticks. Swords? Do they have swords yet? They definitely have swords. Uh, Carrie. So here's the thing about Carrie. Carrie's a combination of a lot of stuff that I wanted to see and did not in the YA as I manifested her in my mind. So yes. the, one of the major things about Carrie is that she she's Asian. Her last name is Chan, mm-hmm. and she has Chinese heritage and descent all that stuff. Uh, obviously, when I start doing this in earnest and have a uh, reasonable draft, I would be sending this to a sensitivity writer just to make sure I hit all good points. Because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. again, I am physically unable to have a story that's just about white people. So I'll be sending it to about 18 different... Uh, yeah. What did I just call them? Sensitivity readers. <laughs> Thank you. I'd You're be sending welcome. this to about 18 sensitivity readers just to make sure I'm not hurting anyone. Mm-hmm. That is a good idea. Um, The other major factor is that she is missing her left hand, which I have written on a post-it note because I definitely mixed up hands several times in the initial draft. (laughs) Luckily for you, I am not (laughs) left-handed. 
So, and it's not from zombies. She actually got into an uh, accident with the farm equipment, but everyone ah. thinks it's zombies because there are several characters that have amputations. I noticed that while I had been able to track down pretty good disability rep in general, I had never seen amputations, and this is definitely going to be a big thing in a situation with zombies, and whether you're immune or not, the people's first thing, if they see you bitten on the arm, is, okay, get rid of that arm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, just pull a pull a Mangus Burnsides, get your axe, and chop that sucker right off. <laughs> Precisely. And so, yeah, it's it's not a huge thing, and it's basically not really a running gag, but like people see it and like, oh, zombies, and she's like, no, no, just just farming equipment. Um, but her dad, who's pretty good at gadgets and whatnot with what he can make in this situation, he basically she's got a bar inserted into her arm that she can notch tools into. So usually it's just a grabby hook grabber thing, but when she has to fight off zombies, we're putting a big siphon there. Nice. Another nice. influence for this was definitely Ruby, which I was still a little bit into when I created this. So yeah, Ruby Rose just stylistically is an inspiration for Carrie. The, I mentioned that there's action stuff in this. It is extremely anime when it gets to some of the bigger fight scenes. That is perfectly okay. It is... Writing writing scenes like that, I imagine, will probably make it easy if uh, if it ever gets adapted into anything visual. Oh yeah. Or like, I'm just gonna stick this in your ear now. Like, spot illustrations are a thing. Like, it could be like, oh hey, like, illustrate this one particular scene from this giant battle, just to like oh, show yeah. how it is. I have definitely seen that. It's been a while since I've seen that because I don't think it pops up in YA very often. But it really doesn't. But I definitely remember it showing up when I read Narnia. Oh yeah. Oh gosh, yes. Books, especially like Narnia, that came out around that time frame, when they had more. I guess uh, actually no. I don't have I don't have the history training to be able to talk about that. <laughs> but books for novels from that era, I feel, were pretty big users of spot illustration. Yeah. Just to get the trifecta, Carrie is also asexual, and that part actually came about a little later, just because I was charting out people's relationships and friendships, and I realized that I'd never really given Carrie a designated love interest. And I was like, mm -hmm. for a while, I was just like, you know what? She doesn't really need one. I'm just going to have her be asexual. Now, eventually, as I like rearranged plot stuff to figure out where people were going to be, I did end up giving her a love interest, but the asexuality part never changed, and that is going to be... Uh, not a huge factor, but just something that they discuss. And part of the development of Carrie and Gabriella's relationship will be Carrie thinking she shouldn't be with Gabriella because Gabriella is very flirtatious and like she she's not a stereotypical bisexual where she's just jumping on everything because she is still a teen. Like I'm not gonna go yeah. weirdly <laughs> ridiculous with that, but yeah. she it, she's like blatantly attracted to people and voices that and does like to have a sex a, a, a sexy healthy lifestyle <laughs> once she gets to that point oh my gosh <laughs> and carrie is concerned that if she can't give her that then she doesn't want to pursue the relationship um but also there's zombies so eventually when push comes to stuff she's like you know what i love you either way and we're gonna make this work Aww. and then sweet sweet lady kisses Somewhere someone's heart just screw three sizes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like this would be like, again, the, I planned this out as a trilogy. It would cover several years worth of stuff happening. Like I've, this writing the story has really taught me how to do time skips effectively. And Good. JK Rowling has done a lot of stuff wrong, but the fact that she managed <laughs> to get, <laughs> that's, but, a, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> But the fact that she managed to get decent pacing for an entire school year in Hogwarts and was able to just glance over entire months without making it feel like she was skipping over important stuff, mm -hmm. hey, props to that. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, yes. Especially because, like, excuse me, like, so often in school, it's like you blink and then it's like, oh, it's time for midterms. But I swear I just moved in yesterday. Well, now I have to go study. And it is, like, managing time is something that I I hope to tackle at some point in a story that I've been kicking around in my head for a very long time, and I need to write it because now I have a deadline. Uh-oh. 
it's Star Wars fan fiction. Ah. Uh. So, uh, and I and I would like to complete it before the before the Rise of Skywalker comes out, and it probably will be mostly declared null and void. All fan all fan fiction is canon. I'm aware of that. I just I want to finish it before like my my ideas get changed by whatever is in the movie. Oh, okay, that makes sense. But yeah. Still, if it comes out after, then it's just fix fic. That's another podcast. <laughs> it's an AU. That's, that's, Actually, yeah. no, fix fic is my podcast. Yeah, fix fic is your podcast. Um. <laughs> but yeah, so back to Carrie. Back to Carrie. So another aspect of her that this is something I got rid of. I was going to go a lot more fantastic with the zombie stuff and have like another part of it be like, if you're immune and you do get exposed to the virus, it unlocks superpowers. And now Carrie can, (laughs) Carrie can like see the dead and like from a distance and sense their trapped souls inside their bodies. And another character has telekinesis. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And, like, I, that's still something that could be very interesting, and it definitely would make the story a lot more animated than the form it is in now, but at mm-hmm. some point I abandoned that because it became way too cluttered, and it kind of just got away from other aspects of what I wanted Carrie to be, because initially Carrie was like, oh, I, I could never, even if I was immune, I could never join the Knights of the Dead, because I have these weird anxiety hallucinations when I'm fighting zombies. And I was like, well, this is just kind of silly, because... It gives a weird out for her to just get over anxiety when she develops mm-hmm. her abilities better. So yeah. instead it's just normal anxiety. And she struggles with it because <laughs> it's normal human anxiety. And yeah, yeah obviously she's going to learn how to handle things. She's going to have to with all the stuff I'm going to throw at her. But <laughs> it's not given a magic off button. Mm-hmm. So what what role does she play then in this society that you've created? Does she become a, a knight... Night of Night of the Dark. Remind me. Night of the Dead again. Night of the Dead. Thank you. See, it's a pun. I, I'm I'm aware. I remember that it was a pun. I was just like, is it the Night of the Darkness? <laughs> no, it's Night of the Dead. Okay. So initially, as I mentioned, she wasn't even. Well, first off, she doesn't know she's immune. Like you can go get tested when you're 16 because that's the point where not only it's easiest found in your bloodstream but also you can start training at Camelot okay but initially she's like doesn't even think she wants to do that because she wants to stay on the farm she wants to help her family with all the animals and she definitely gets along with animals way better than people like her her social circle is some farmhands the animals her parents and the farm's personal, unofficial Night of the Dead. Um, his name's Ryu, and he will be played by Yoshi Sadarsu, so darn that down. God bless Yoshi Sadarsu. He is just... He, 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 he's, he's just a good person, and he deserves to be in more things. Yes. And like, I have enough notes on uh, his character that I could probably do another episode on him. I'll put that on the list. So, like, she... She's like a farm girl. She's a homebody. She doesn't really plan on going out anywhere. And another part of it is she's she can definitely hold her own against zombies when she needs to. But like her anxiety rears up so bad when they show up that she's like, I there's no way they could train me out of this account a lot. There's no way they could help me with this. And yeah. they do. And again, normal, I'm not going to call it therapy because it is a weird military police but without a lot of the concerns that would come up when you call something a military police yeah it's it's more of more of a militia than a military police yes and they've been around long enough in the story that people trust them because they they do exactly what they say they do they help people and fight off zombies Mm -hmm. yeah Good law enforcers that do what they are supposed to do, which is always good. I mean, they're not even necessarily law enforcement. The, I would say the closest they come is if they see someone trying to... No, no, there wouldn't even be anyone in this subsector of the society that would sneak zombies into the city for shenanigans. The closest good. they'd come to is, like, traffic coordinators. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Like, please, if you're going into the main city, go through this gate, because the other gate's having issues. Yeah. 
That's good. That's good. And so, remember how I said that the opening scene was something I was going to change? Yeah. Okay, so the way that I envisioned Carrie's story go, I knew at some point something was going to happen to the farm, and not just, like, zombies happen at the farm. I had decided earlier on that at some point the farm is going to catch fire and there will be a lot of damage. Oh, no! You're good. Were you going to Uncle Lars and Aunt Peru? No, the parents are fine. Okay, cool. My, my concern was the animals. <laughs> And I couldn't figure out when a good place for that would be. And I decided, you know what? Let's just make this one of the opening scenes. Yeah. There's a small zombie fight. Uh, Carrie fights them off with Ryu's help. Uh, She goes back home and kind of chills and recuperates. As she's doing her nightly rounds, she gets tied up with someone who is trying to hide their own infection. And then also fire. And in, in all of this kerfuffle, she gets bitten. And she's like, oh, well, guess I'll die. And then a few days later, she wakes up and she didn't. And everyone in her family's like, well, that's one way to find out you're immune. (laughs) Yep, that's very true. So the next little bit is Ryu drives her into town. She joins the, I don't want to call it a blood testing party, but it is kind of a blood testing party. Yeah, she goes to the medical screening. She does. Uh, She gets tested and also gets some words of encouragement from Ryu's ex. Okay. Who did. So one small thing is that Ryu did not complete his knight's training. So he's immune, but he's not an official knight. Um, okay. But his exes are. Okay. Okay. So Carrie gets encouragement and she's like, yeah, okay, you know what? I, I think I can do this. I think I will go to the Knights of the Dead. And also, my parents have been having money issues and they pay really well. So, hey, I can send money to my family. <laughs> Aww. That's good. Actually, no. Um, in the first draft, it was money issues. And then I changed that to money issues on account of the farm burned down. Yeah, that's true. Because, like, is there, are there still insurance companies after this zombie apocalypse? Kind of, sort of. Did they all fold? Like, you you can't call Flo from Progressive. Yeah. But the, the city leadership is going to recognize the importance of farms and how they make food for the society. So they are definitely going to send stipends. But it is actually going to be a small plot point that they can't send enough. And so Carrie's like, well, I can supplement this with income from the knights. And then eventually, like, those two points will meet. Because here's the thing. Seattle and Kairi's community was very good in the fact that they managed to get rid of all the bad people as it was forming decades ago. And now it's completely built on protecting, like, humanity in humanity's own self-interest. And literally... We do not have time to be bigoted against people, regardless of race and religion and disabilities and whatnot. Good. Good. So, that's luck for you. Unfortunately, there were just as many survivor communities that did not follow that rule. Yep, I I was wondering when that was going to pop up. (laughs) They went with some variation of Might Makes Right, and while a lot of them have been self-isolated... This story is also picking up around the time that they start coming into conflict with each other. Raider parties! Yeah, well, not quite... Hey, Seattle Raider parties! Hey! Hey! Sports joke! (laughs) I had a Raiders toque when I was little, and I had no idea it was sports. I was just like, oh, hey, Pirate Man. Yeah, that's that's how I feel about the the XFL teams. (laughs) The, uh... The, the logo that I like the most is for the Battlehawks, because it's a sword with wings, and I'm like, that I'm claiming that for D&D and fantasy. It is no <laughs> longer, it is no longer Bizarre Extreme Sports League, it is now fantasy. I am taking this, thank you. That is an excellent way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, also, since I am a big Stephen King fan, writing-wise, the big bads are definitely operating out, out of the remains of Las Vegas. Nice, nice. I might just give one of them the initials RF, and then I'll be like, uh, sorry, Stephen King, but my stories now take part in your multiverse. You have to accept this. I do not understand this reference because I have never read a, I have never read a Stephen King novel in my life. Um, in The Stand and The Dark Tower and a few of his other books, there are characters with the initials RF, and it's implied that they're like reincarnations of the same servant of the evil overlord just across different dimensions. Okay, okay. Kind of a Ganon scenario. Got it. 
Yes. Okay. Good to know. But yeah. So Carrie, like as like Carrie is starting her training and they're fighting against zombies and all of a sudden they find that they have to fight against people, which is a problem because all the training is surrounded against fighting zombies who, you know, attack with grabbing and biting and do not have weapons and or do not tactics. strategize. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have I have a very quick question before we go into this, which is what kind of like what kind of world is this? Is it like I'm like trying to picture it visually. Is this is the world of Knights of the Dead kind of is it getting more into like fantasy with like armor? Is this like like Dragon Ball kind of a thing where like yeah, there's still people hanging out with like dinosaurs or whatever but there's also farmers and like land speeders like what is what is this kind of setting like aesthetically it's trying to think is it like fallout kind of a thing it's close to i would say it's close to mad max actually but where mad max is more of a diesel punk uh knights of the dead is steampunk slowly edging into getting some electricity going because again they're near hydroelectric dam it like, it would have failed after all the infrastructure fell apart, but it's still there. They can find the capability to repair it and have people run it. Okay, okay. Gotcha. gotcha. Like, they, they're at a, a technology level where they have trains and okay. probably radios, at least for communication. Although I was debating, like, the extent and the how many people would have had radios and how much of it is just done by messenger courier. Because courier makes things more interesting, makes it easier to have like, breakdowns and, oh no, we're away from this one spot, we cannot send messages back to base, that we just got attacked by humans? Humans attacking us? Why are humans attacking us? Yeah. That's very Um, good. Which is a far cry from an initial draft where I had straight-up radio stations, and they did play a Kesha song that was... They played a TikTok, but the lyrics had been lost to time, so they revised most of them, so it was about fighting zombies with your friends. You know what? I feel like Kesha would approve of that. Kesha would definitely approve, but I feel like if I went forward with it, I would just have her rewrite it herself because my lyrical changes were just silly. Honestly, like, like you complete this and like you you write a very nice letter to Kesha. She would probably like also record it. Just like you'd get like an iPhone recording or whatever of like Kesha singing her own her own AU lyrics, <laughs> and then all of us in our corner of the pod would just like spontaneously combust from the sheer awesomeness. <laughs> <laughs> like that is something I want to play with, with a lot of cultural references being lost to time, and so those they have are like uh, they're completely misconstrued or shockingly accurate. Okay. I, I am curious to, like, what are some things that you would, like, carry over? Um, there was a book of fairy tales, for sure. Just because I like fairy tales. So Carrie definitely had, a like, a book of fairy tales from the before times. Mm-hmm. Um, but she also has, like, a newer book of fairy tales that was, like, it's a lot worse uh, quality because, like, hand-stitched together and, like, hand-bound. But it's all, like, similar stuff to what she has. But, you know, there's zombie m- morals and metaphors in there. Yeah. Um, That's neat. And they would, like, know every, like, in this small pocket, they know everything about Batman. And, like, just a lot of Batman stuff may have survived. And they know exactly, yeah. like, he's a fictional character and he was for entertainment purposes and, like, da-da-da-da-da. Um, mm-hmm. But then also turn around and think Sherlock Holmes was real. Yeah. Yeah. Or, actually, it might be funnier if the opposite was true. Yes. Also, because it's Seattle, Starbucks, yes or no? I don't know, because I'd have to look up the ability to, first off, like, coffee plantations would have to survive. And then I would have to look into whether the environment would be, like, a thing where you could grow coffee in regularly. And also, also you had to be able to get to the coffee plants. Because yeah. who wants to paddle to Hawaii? <laughs> I do know that one of Carrie's fond memories from when she was a child was her parents took her into the big city and, like, some wandering merchants had stopped by recently, so Carrie got to eat an orange. Ooh. 
from the far off land of Disney. Because you know that's what would happen. <laughs> from the distant kingdoms of Flo Rida. <laughs> oh god. Oh, I don't want to pull a full Shannara Chronicles. Um Do you are you familiar with Shannara Chronicles at all? I'm familiar enough with it. I know it's kind of like set in like an after the end kind of has grown into fantasy kind of world. Yeah, and, and I, like and I, I know that there is some questionable writing in it, and that's about all I know. Yeah, I never read the books. I saw the first season of a TV show, and one of the like recurring things was that they had to get to Safe Hold, and then at the end it turned out Safe Hold was like a combination of rundown and graffitied sign that was like you're now entering San Francisco. Ah. Okay, okay. So, I don't want to go that far. Because it's only a hundred years. Like, there's not going to be a complete societal reset. But there's definitely going to be some things that they lost. Because a lot of it will be based off of what they found and just what people knew at the time. And what they decided to pass on. Yeah. Yeah, because a hundred years by that point, you're what? Like, five generations out? Yeah, I would imagine so. Four or five generations. But yeah, they have enough steam power that they can operate trains. They have rudimentary radio Mm -hmm. systems. Um, guns are, like, an anomaly to the point where when a character shows up with a gun in the training camp, first off, she has to say it's a family heirloom that she was allowed to bring. Secondly, she has to go to the blacksmith to get bullets made because you don't just find those. And third, everyone, like, sees the gun and says, okay, there's something off about her because she has a gun. Yeah. And actually, it's (laughs) to take a page out of Gem Jammer. Uh, when Carrie sees like Gabriella's weapon and is like, that's weird. I don't know what that is. And she draws a picture for one of her bunkmates who like grew up in the big city and like was surrounded by books and stuff. She draws a picture and he's like, Oh, I think that's a, a gun, a gun, gun. (laughs) Oh, that makes me happy. Cause a lot of ranged combat is done by like archery and crossbows. Which is another thing. Carrie is really bad at archery. And it's not because she's... Yeah, that would make sense. Well, no, it's not necessarily because she's missing a hand. Because she can go to the blacksmith and get special attachments made so that she can, like, notch an arrow and pull the bull back. And maybe it's not as swift as a good archer could be. But she has the physical capability of doing it. No, she's just normal bad at archery. Okay, okay. It's it's something that I see in her, because I am also bad at archery. Yeah. Yeah. We did once do archery in gym. Yeah. And the one time I hit a target, I got a bullseye. Nice. Two rows away. Yeah. That was how off I was. That's okay. That's okay. Oh, I was slightly better than the person who loosened an arrow while the gym teacher was walking into the firing area to start gathering up them. Ah... I, uh, I just remembered that my roommate and I last fall said that we were going to go to the archery bus at the park uh, near our place because we have we both have bows. <laughs> Not, like, great ones, but, like, I have a bow that my uncle made me out of PVC pipe. <laughs> huh. It's really, it's really fun. He gave it, he gave all of my cousins and I a PVC pipe bow for Christmas one year. And he set, he set up a target in their backyard, and we went out and we shot arrows. It was real fun. Oh, that does sound like fun. Mm-hmm. The closest yeah. I've ever come back to archery was when I was invited to an axe-throwing thing, but I was busy that night. Yeah, I've never gone axe-throwing before. I feel like it'd be fun. But yeah. Um, before I forget, uh, what I don't think we ever actually said, what does Carrie look like? So, Carrie, I mentioned she's of Asian descent. When, I'm not going to describe, this is once again, I'm coming up with the face claims. When I first imagined her, she was played by Arden Cho from Teen Wolf. Because, mm-hmm. actually, I can't recall. Did she? No, she didn't have a bow and arrow in Teen Wolf. She had a katana. Which, again, makes sense. <laughs> Carrie can't do archery. Yeah. I, I was going to go with, oh, the, uh, the Asian character on Teen Wolf had a katana because Asian... <laughs> I, it was slightly justified because it was, again, a family heirloom, but yeah. still. Yeah, still. I have seen far, far worse, so. Mm-hmm, you too. Me too. But anyway. Anyway, 
now face now my face claim is uh the youtube the viner turned youtuber not even emily okay who she like she is trying to break into acting she's very good at youtube she is very good at vine like she was one of the few viners who was funnier after six seconds oh nice so unlike some of the other people i followed after vine shut down yeah yeah so as it stands right now she's got long dark brown hair a little bit darker skin um tall slender again missing her left hand so she like usually you just see the little bit of like iron girder sticking out of it yeah the next time that i have drawing energy i may or may not draw carrie oh nice but yeah um i'm i'm double i know we had like a couple of like interludes in there where it was like we had stuff to pause for but i'm gonna hit one question real quick and then we can see what else you want to talk about before we like do the wrap-up stuff okay okay so what are some of your favorite things that you plan to have happen to carrie if you don't want to spoil them well it's not a huge spoiler like i did talk about how the conflict like there's it's a zombie story but the conflict is not humans versus zombies it's going to be humans versus humans and Mm -hmm. so one of the major plot points will be that there is a spy who tries to get into the training camp and masquerade as, I mean, he does have the immunity, but he's masquerading as someone who was born and raised in Seattle. He's terrible at it. And everyone, but especially Carrie figures it out because he has prejudices against people. Yeah. Like this is how nice I have made Carrie's society growing up is that the fact that he has prejudices against people is a huge red flag. And it's not like, oh, he's mean. It's, there is something wrong with this person. Nice, nice. That's good, that's good. And so, she does beat the shit out of him after he, like, says that she may not be able to fight as well with only one hand. And she basically clobbers him with, again, the iron girder sticking out of her arm. <laughs> good for her. Good for her. Um, what else uh, near the beginning, so they travel to Camelot by train, but near the beginning, as they're traveling, it breaks down, and they have to go through the woods on foot. Yeah. And even though the trainers try and corral all the kids together, eventually they get separated, and she has to lead her whole squad through these zombie-infested woods to, like, this distant, distant light that they really hope is Camelot. Is it Camelot? It is Camelot. It's not only a model? It's not only... Well, in the movie, it might be. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that pleased me. Uh, Let's see. What other fun stuff? Um, She actually... That's not the first time she's stuck in the woods on her own because they have a training exercise where each bunk has to venture out and everyone has to get, like, a bandana that has been hidden in the woods and some of them okay. are high in trees, and some of them are, like, like underneath rocks, and some of them have mm-hmm. just been tied to zombies, because the trainers are that good. Wow. And basically, she ends up on her own because, like, she sends some people back because another person in her bunk gets injured, and then she's stuck on her own. She's like, okay, I can do this. I'm, I'm okay on my own. And she does end up mostly making her way back to the camp with only minimal assistance from the strange man who lives in the woods because you gotta have a strange man who lives in the woods oh yes of course it's seattle (laughs) he's just been there the whole time (laughs) yep he's just hanging out no it's 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 the crew from rabbits they're still out there oh no (laughs) this arg has gone out of control she runs into this old man and he asks her if she's seen Tannis. <laughs> uh, zombies make me really uncomfortable. I wish I could go home and sleep on my Casper mattress. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Don't say anything. They'll hear it somehow and they'll get ideas. <laughs> um, And then, like, the furthest I can go without spoiling is that eventually, like... The, the big, big conflict is going to kick off partway through when Carrie and her bunkmates and one of the trainers, like, they're just out on patrol. And specifically, it's to learn how to patrol on horseback. And a few of the bunkmates are struggling because they're city folk. Yeehaw. 
Carrie and two of her other friends are totally fine, and Carrie's doing the best because, again, she's real good with animals. Mm-hmm. This plays to their advantage when all of a sudden their trainer is assassinated partway through. Yikes! Also, this specific trainer, I don't know why, but I decide he's played by Griffin McElroy in my notes. Okay. So I, I really, if this turns into a movie and all my casting choices come through, I can't wait for this conversation. I'll be like, oh, Mr. McElroy, I'm such a huge fan of your work. I'd really love if you could uh, play this character. I think they're really interesting. Uh, and also halfway through, you're going to effing die. Yeah. He'd probably be like, okay. <laughs> that would be, that, that'd be so much fun. But as part of your backstory, you do get to date Yoshi Sadarsu. So, you know. Yeah, I, I, I feel like Griffin McElroy would be down with that. It all works out. That would be, that would be pretty neat. I'm just like, I'm sitting, you see me staring into the middle distance because now my brain is like, my, my brain is doing the synapse, the synapses firing thing. I'm like, what would this look like? What would all of this stuff look like? How would, <laughs> how would, how would this, how would this appear? And now I'm like, no brain focus. We are in a recording. <laughs> you can galaxy brain after. I know. I can galaxy brain after. <laughs> anyway, uh, do you have anything else that you want to go into before we talk about the final question? Um, or the last question? I th- I think I've covered the majority of the stuff about Carrie, because uh, I talked about anxiety, okay. canceled superpowers, the fun stuff. Um, there's definitely a rocket launcher in the future, but I don't think she wields it. Nice, nice. She wouldn't know how. Yeah, yeah. And also, those things are, I imagine, pretty heavy. Yeah. <laughs> With extremely rare ammo. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like, slightly, like, certain technology levels, they show up in this story, and it's a red flag. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Oh, yeah, she also, she, since things happen really quickly as they are coming into the training area, like, she just gives people nicknames when she sees them repeatedly but doesn't get a chance to interact with them. Yeah. So, Gabriella, who I've mentioned is this, like, she's mysterious, she has a gun, she eventually becomes Carrie's love interest. Um, yeah. But for a good chunk of the book, she just refers to her as Sleepy, because their first encounter was Gabriella just asleep on the train to Camelot. Aww. That is cute. And, like, she's not, she's never mean to Carrie, but she, like, she ribs her and she flirts with her, and, like, eventually Carrie is like, uh, hey, Sleepy, where'd you get that gun? And she's like, why? Why are you calling me Sleepy? And Carrie's like, well, you're asleep. All the other interactions I've had with you, you're just sassing me. And Gabrielle's like, you're right. I I don't have a comeback for that. You're absolutely right. Okay. <laughs> the beginning of a beautiful relationship. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So if you are good, then uh, your last question for the evening is, why do you love Carrie so much? Um, it's pretty plain and simple why I like Carrie. She, like, again, bursts from my head pretty fully formed, and so it's hard not to get attached to her when she's so well-created already. I don't want yeah. to toot my own horn. Actually, I won't, because I didn't make her. My brain did. And those are two very <laughs> different things. Oh, God, that's not... That, that is a topic for a psychology podcast that is not this one. <laughs> but, like, you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. I didn't, like, a lot of the stuff about her, I did not consciously choose to happen. Like, Mm -hmm. it just manifested spontaneously, or it was one of those situations of the character saying, hey, I am this. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, And also just, because I'm so invested in her, I know that I'm going to be telling her story one day, like, in an official published format. Mark my words. Mm -hmm. They called me mad. Um, Hey, you know what? Speaking into the universe. Exactly. The, McElroy, the McElroys will be in Trolls 2. Sequinox will be a Netflix show. And Knights of the Dead will be a published work. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, just the fact that I know it's going to come to fruition at some point, does it keeps me invested in her. It's a, a self-feeding loop, but it's, you know, good emotions. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that is very true. And that's a good that's a good position to take on that. Cool. 
So, um, thank you so much for coming on the show. I I always appreciate having you on. Well, thanks for having me back again. I mean, you're welcome. I wasn't going to tell you no. <laughs> also because you asked very politely, which I appreciate. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Uh, where would you like to be found on the internet? What do you have that you want to promote? So... I know you have a lot. I mean, I don't have that much. I think I talked it up before realizing that other people I know have four times as many things on the internet as I do. Look, we can't all be Jake Mason. This is true, as much as I try. See, I'll never match his hair, so... (laughs) None of us will, Tanner. None of us will. I got rid of it, because it disappointed me. Um, my hair, not his hair. So anyways. Yeah, anyway. (laughs) I have two main podcasts that I'm on. The first one I co-host with my friend Lindsay. It's called Not If I Reboot You First. And it's a podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has a chance to. And so Mm -hmm. in our most recently released episode, if I think about how time works right, uh, I rebooted rebooted the anime Zatch Bell uh, with Muppets. Okay, okay. Because that's the, the, the best way you could bring it into the live action is with Muppets. I mean, yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, and so that podcast is found on most of your podcatchers, and it also has a Twitter, at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Reboot You First, and it's pronounced NIRIF! I was waiting for it. <laughs> and then me and Lindsay also have a Pokemon actual play alongside our friend uh, Duncan. I almost called him Gabriel. That's his character. And our friend and Lindsay's brother, Ryan. And guest of the show, Ryan. Previous guest of the show, Ryan. For that matter, previous guest of the show, Lindsay. And upcoming Mm -hmm. guest of the show, Lindsay? We have talked about which character she might bring, but we haven't set a time to record yet. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's a Pokemon actual play called Pokemon Adventures in the Millennium. And it is not your dad's Pokemon actual play, which... It's not edgy, but it does definitely have a lot of cusses. Yeah. So be aware of that. And that can be found on Twitter at PKMN underscore Millennium with two L's and two N's, which is the proper way to spell it. Yeah. (laughs) Spelling, man. Yeah. And then as for myself, you can find me on Twitter at Sparky Upstart. And if I ever do anything else, then that's the first place you'll hear about it. Mm-hmm. Did I enter a fugue state and forget that you talked about Patreon? I mean, I usually don't talk about Patreon when I'm guesting, just because I talk about it on the podcasts proper. Okay. And That's like, all I right. I wanted to make sure. Well, we did recently redo our "Not If I Reboot You First Patreon stuff. So if you like, if you like, have heard of me and you glanced at our Patreon before, and you're like, "Ah, eh, this isn't something that I'm willing to give money to." Fair, but <laughs> if you want to check that out again and see if we've managed to change your mind have at it <laughs> yeah i i am i have like a list of like things that i need to pledge to on patreon but i'm even worse at getting on patreon than i am at checking discord <laughs> <laughs> um like i i technically have a personal ish patreon but like that again has to go through a major overhaul because yeah. it wasn't what i wanted it to be the first time and I was working on it with another person, and we both just kind of have to rebuild it from the ground up. Mainly we made it because we wanted to grandfather ourselves in before they changed their stuff. Yeah. So if yeah. that ever becomes a thing worth plugging, I will plug it. But for now, just no, give me money via podcasts if you want to, if you can. <laughs> yep. Do Listen, I will say, one of the funding goals for Not If I Beat You First, I think it's at $60. Maybe it's $100. It's one of the higher ones, but if I'm getting enough, then I will make a bi-weekly Rabbits recap podcast called Rabbit Season. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is... That, that is just nutso. Not Nutso because of rabbits, not the concept of making a Rabbits weekly, bi-weekly recap podcast. No, I, I couldn't handle weekly. Yeah. The Home for Weird OCs is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. It can be found on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Pippa, Stitcher, and wherever you can listen to podcasts. Our theme song is Violet by Pottage and Bear, courtesy of the Free Music Archives. New episodes come out on the second and fourth Mondays of the month. 
If you'd like to get in touch with us, we can be found on Twitter at WaywardOCPod or through the WaywardOCPod hashtag. You can also email us at WaywardOCPod at gmail.com. And uh, in case you can't tell by the fact that I am a little bit more scattered than you might have heard in previous episodes, uh, I am currently in overtime at work, so if I am slow to respond, that is why. Uh, also, I am currently not accepting submissions for guests for Wayward, uh, because I do thankfully have a pretty good uh, backlog of guests. You are always more than welcome to send an email. Uh, however, I cannot promise any kind of timeliness with which you could be on the show. But feel free to feel free to send me it anyway, because then I can at least like get you in get you in the queue. Uh, and of course, because this is a podcast, it is always incredibly helpful if you can subscribe and read us on your listening platform of choice. Maybe even write a review, and also maybe recommend us to a friend because that helps us to find more guests and to brighten more people's days. So, thank you all for listening. This has been the Home for Rewardoses, and we hope you enjoyed your stay. Hang on, I got a note from work. Ah. Hang on, I got a call work to see if I can get a shift for tomorrow. One moment. It's okay, go for it. Just leave your recording going. Yay, I picked up a shift tomorrow. Sweet. I saw a cute picture of a cat. Yay. Welcome to They Them There's a monthly non-binary discussion podcast. We're here, we're queer, let's talk about it. My name is Joe. And my name is Rain. We're non-binary, and once a month we sit down and we talk about gender. 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 <laughs> we talk about our experiences with gender expression, pronouns, and other parts of the trans and non-binary experience. We also talk about a lot of anime and music that we like and relate to. And our cats. Yeah. <laughs> you can listen at theorangegroves.com or search They Them Theirs on your podcast app of choice. Until next time, take care, and remember, nice gender. <laughs>